Well, would you turn to John chapter 17? This chapter is the great prayer of Christ for his people. And we won't read all of it, but I do want to just read the last few verses as a starting point for what I want to share tonight. And I'm not going to uh, try to actually expound on these verses but I think it is a good stepping stone into what I want to share. So, verse 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, in order that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known Thee, yet I have known Thee, and these have known that Thou didst send me, and I have made known Thy name to them, and will make it known, that the love wherewith Thou didst love me may be in them, and I in them. Let's let's just pray once again here. Father, we pray for your help now. I acknowledge my great need and I would pray that each one of us would acknowledge our need of your work in our hearts. Be with us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I read a thought this morning that I thought was worth sharing. I actually started out in a different direction for this message, and in the midst of that, I came across this little sentence or phrase, and that changed where I was going, um, because I thought this was well worth taking some time on. The phrase is this, love is the costliest of all undertakings. Love is the costliest of all undertakings. I pondered that for a while and I concluded that it surely must be true. And it's true on the basis of what we know in the scriptures, from the scriptures. It's true on the basis of the most well-known verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God's love cost him his Son. So surely love is the costliest of all undertakings. Not only did God's love cost him his son, the son's love for his father and for 
his people, for us, cost him his life. And not only that, it cost him, I don't know how to say this, it cost him at least from his human side, it cost him his relationship with his father. Because God's wrath was poured out upon his son as he bore our sins. So as I was thinking about this this phrase, I tried to take it back into eternity, which, you know, you get off into things that we really can't understand, but it did seem, at least in theory, that God could have made a universe where there were no beings capable of making moral choices, and consequently there would have been no need for a Savior, but that wasn't what God did. That wasn't God's desire because that wasn't his nature. One aspect of his essential nature is love. And he made a creation with the capacity to love, to be made in the image of God, which is what we are, to be made in the image of God meant that we must be able to love or not love. So God knew from eternity that that to have a creation where love existed meant the death of his son. I want to say that again. God knew from eternity that to have a creation where love existed meant the death of his son. Yet in love, he went ahead and created that creation and in the fullness of time sent forth his son. And then if we think about sin, I think we should always think of it in relationship to God's love. In light of what God has done for us in Christ, our sin, however else we view it, is always a sin against love. So I say again, love is the costliest of all undertakings. And this is true not only of God's love, but it's true of our love here in our relationships on earth. If we are to love God and people in this fallen world, it will cost us. Loving God often brings misunderstanding and rejection or ridicule or some things even worse. And just on the horizontal relationship between people, 
you can think in terms of as a parent if you love your child it's going to cost you it's going to cost you in many ways it's going to cost you physically emotionally spiritually um, so many ways that that comes into play there's so much sacrifice involved but love hardly notices the sacrifice because it's love it's done in love and you think even of sometimes the heartache that's there when love is spurned in a family it's costly love is costly and if we love the people around us it will cost in many different ways again physically and emotionally and spiritually love often has to suffer in this fallen world um Of course, love is a choice. And you can choose not to love. You can choose to live a selfish, self-centered, unloving life. And you won't experience the cost of love. but you won't experience the reason God created you in the first place either you won't experience the purpose God has for his creation well um in conjunction with that little phrase and some of the thoughts that uh came because of that i'd also recently been reminded of this book by amy carmichael called if and it talks about christ love how many have read that book if well a few uh i want to share some things from it this evening um uh, what this what this does is show us how far short we are yet falling even as Christians who do desire to love God and people uh how far there is to go yet in coming up to the love of Christ um the way she phrases things here i wouldn't have phrased them that way because it's so strong that uh it it almost uh, takes away to me it almost takes away from what she's saying but she explains why she did that um see well let me give you the the first one and then you'll see what i mean 
If I have not compassion on my fellow servants, even as my Lord had pity on me, then I know nothing of Calvary love. That's the phrase that she uses after each one of these ifs. If I don't do this, then I know nothing of Calvary love. And she says in the preface, she says, now some people may wonder about this uh, phrase, then I know nothing. Well, here's what she said. Um, I would say the thought came in this form, and I fear to weaken it. But here, as elsewhere, the letter killeth. And she goes on to say that um, she feels like when we are in the presence of God, in the presence and really in touch with God, this is the way we feel, that I know nothing of Calvary love. When we see what God's love for us is really like, we just, we just say, I, I, I hardly know anything of this. So that's why she, she main, you know, she said it this way. Uh, I guess if I was uh, writing this, I would have said it more like, uh, "I yet fall short of the love of Christ," or uh, "I'm not loving as Christ loved." But that's not the way she said it. So I'm going to read it the way she said it, uh, and. May God apply it as he sees fit in our lives. Well, I already read you the first one, but let me go on here. If I belittle those whom, I'm ca- whom I am called to serve, talk of their weak points in contrast perhaps with what I think are my strong points, if I adopt a superior attitude forgetting who made thee different, and what hast thou that thou hast not received, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I can easily discuss the shortcomings and sins of any, if I can speak in a casual way even of, my, of a child's misdoings, then I, know, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Now, I'm not reading all of these. I'm just skipping around here a little bit. If I can enjoy a joke at the expense of another, if I can in any way slight another in conversation or even in thought, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I can write an unkind letter, speak an unkind word, think an unkind thought without grief and shame, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If in dealing with one who does not respond, I weary of the strain and slip from under the burden, then I know nothing of Calvary love. I think that's the idea of just giving up on someone that doesn't respond. If I cast up a confessed, repented, and forsaken sin against another and allow my remembrance of that sin to color my thinking and feed my suspicions, then I know nothing of Calvary love. 
If I have not the patience of my Savior with souls who grow slowly, if I know little of travail till Christ be fully formed in them, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I am soft to myself and slide comfortably into the vice of self-pity and self-sympathy, if I do not, by the grace of God, practice fortitude, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I cannot in honest happiness take the second place or the twentieth, if I cannot take the first place without making a fuss about my unworthiness, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I do not give a friend the benefit of the doubt, but put the worst construction instead of the best on what is said and done, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I take offense easily, if I am content to continue in a cool unfriendliness, though friendship be possible, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If interruptions annoy me and private cares make me impatient, if I shadow the souls about me because my I myself am shadowed. I mean, I think the idea there is that I bring darkness on those around me because I'm in a dark mood. Then I know nothing of Calvary love. If the praise of man elates me and his blame depresses me, if I cannot rest under misunderstanding without defending myself, if I love to be loved more than to love and to be served more than to serve, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Here's a hard one. If I refuse to allow one who is dear to me to suffer for the sake of Christ, if I do not see such suffering as the greatest honor that can be offered to any follower of the crucified, then then I know nothing of Calvary love. I think I'll stop with this one. If I refuse to be a corn of wheat that falls into the ground and dies, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Well, love is the costliest of all undertakings. I guess after we read something like 
what she wrote there, you might say also that love certainly seems the most difficult of all undertakings. It takes the Spirit of God to love through us if we're going to love the way the Bible speaks of love. So I guess I would add to what this phrase says. Love is not only the the costliest of all undertakings, it's the most difficult, but it is also the most wonderful and the most rewarding. Without love, Paul said, I'm nothing. But as John says, the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now, what could be more wonderful or more rewarding than that? That is to have God to abide in God and to have God abide in us. So, we don't want to miss out on the fact that love is the most wonderful of all undertakings and love is the most rewarding of all undertakings. And we have just begun to experience that here in this life. If you're a Christian, you know something of the wonder and the reward of love. But it's just something of that, not the full essence, not the full amount, because we yet live in a fallen world, and in this world love must suffer. Much of the wonder and reward are yet in the future, and We have that yet to look forward to. Love must suffer in this life as love suffered in Christ when he was here on earth. And he left us, we're told he left us an example to follow in his steps. As he overcame so shall we overcome because of his love, because of the power of his love working in us, because he loved us. So, back to where I began here, this prayer will be answered because it's a prayer of Christ. Father, I desire that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am in order that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. If, if Christ desires that we be with him it doesn't matter what happens in this life doesn't matter what suffering comes our way because of desiring to love God and to love other people. You can be sure you're going to be there with him because he prayed this 
to the Father. Father, I desire that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me. Well, there's a poem that uh, expresses some of this, and I, I'm going to close with that. It's called The Eternal Psalm. In a world where love must suffer and oft in shadows does sing, we look beyond to God's bright kingdom where love rules everything. There in heavenly harmony, the love song is always sung as grateful words of wonder enliven every tongue. With discord forever banished, all darkness done away, and every heart rejoicing in love's eternal day. Then the psalm that was sung forever in the heart of the Trinity will be sung by the Lamb's beloved through all eternity. What then if love must suffer in a fallen world like this, we yet shall sing God's love song amidst unending bliss. Well, love is the costliest of all undertakings. Love is the most difficult of all undertakings. Love is the most wonderful and rewarding of all undertakings.